You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. G'day! Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1248 entitled In Space No One Can Hear You Miff. Our podcast title today is Entering the Pod Chamber. Why are we orientated that way? Well, I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And we are talking about a documentary feature, uh, Memory, the Origins of Alien. In 1979, we were nearing the end of a resurgent decade for science fiction cinema and the beginning of a continuous stream of genre blockbusters that would eventually culminate in science fiction and fantasy single movies and then franchises dominating the box office. I'd seen in rapid succession Star Wars, Superman the movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and as the 70s gave way into the 80s, almost simultaneously with the release of the ultra-optimistic Star Trek The Motion Picture, Mm. I also sat in a cold, near-empty Melbourne cinema and was treated to one of the bleakest space films I'd ever seen, not since the Planet of the Apes saga ten years before. And I come across such a terrifying vision of the future. Ridley Scott's classic cross-genre science fiction horror movie Alien, which 40 years later has hatched four direct movie sequels, two recent prequels, uncountable book and comic book spin-offs, and also welded itself to the Predator Hunters from Space franchise. Audio books, games, web series, and a school play as well. I fully expect to see Xenomorphs on ice someday. This year they've got a selection of fan-made short alien-related movies online and Titan has a new making of Alien book. But we're here today, we've got an interview with a director and writer of a new documentary called Memory, The Origins of Alien. And it's Alexandra O'Philippe. Have Hello. I got that right? Alexandra, yeah, you know, it's uh, the French spelling, it's Alexandre, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make it go through that. <laughs> <laughs> now, Philippe is a, a creative director and co-owner of the Denver-based cinema Vertige, and he has done so many things that are entirely relevant to Zero-G, including Doc of the Dead, which is a documentary about the zombie genre, uh, the 78-52 Hitchcock's shower scene, which drilled down into that particular iconic moment in horror history, and one which I won't talk about because it's sports and the life and times of Paul's psychic octopus. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that one <laughs> Well, you know, that was about the the octopus that predicted the games during the uh, Soccer World Cup. Oh, you, can, uh, you would have heard about that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's octopus-related, and you're very, you know... Yes, but if this is not a cephalopodcast <laughs> today. Uh, also one which is very dear to my heart, Earthlings, Klingon language. And oh, phenomenon. gosh, that's an old one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you interview um, Mark Ockren for I that did, one? I did, <gasps> absolutely. Oh, yeah. we're, we're not worthy. Back in the day, yeah. Nook Dach Yach Dapol. Oh gosh, yeah. Where is, where is where is your chocolate? <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Really? Wow. <laughs> and also the People versus George Lucas, right? Fan disenchantment with 
the uh, I'm assuming with the prequels to Star Wars <laughs> and the special editions, and you know, there's a lot of fan grievances, but yeah, but it's know. been going on since the Star oh, yeah. Wars holiday special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. No, it's and it's still it's still ongoing now. You know. Yeah. You know, speaking of fan disenchantment, we haven't been particularly kind to um, Ridley Scott's uh, Covenant or Prometheus as prequels. Mm. As fans in general, there's been a lot of angst about those. Sure, I can see that. Um, but this, this, you're you're actually um, drilling down into, or perhaps in context, it's better to say, um, exploding out of the torso of the chestburster <laughs> scene from. Alien, and that's the mm. main topic of this. Why, mm. why that particular scene from Alien? Well, you know, I, I the the film that I had uh, done prior was uh, the one you mentioned, seventeen fifty two, which is about the psycho shower scene, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a whole feature about that one scene. And I was uh, very interested because I'm interested in cinema, obviously, but on, in these sort of cultural moments in cinema, uh, I was very interested to see, you know, can you uh, examine the chestburster scene yeah. uh, in in a similar fashion and i very quickly realized that you you can't in fact why not uh well you know the alien i think resonates uh and certainly resonated back in the day with with audiences for for different reasons i think it's it has a um sort of mythic resonance um and uh you know i i we actually put together a sizzle and i realized you know oh my gosh what you know we're gonna have a a behind-the-scenes documentary here. Uh, But there was this one story that uh, I kept going back to again and again and again, and that is a story that Ridley Scott, when it was time to actually design the chestburster, um, talked to H.R. Giger, and he showed him a triptych by Francis Bacon Mm -hmm. called Three Studies for Figures at the Base of a Crucifixion, which is at the Tate in London. Um, It's an extraordinary triptych. It completely revolutionized the art world in 1944. Um, And even though you're looking at what is supposed to be essentially a scene of, you know, the crucifixion, um, those are, in fact, the the furies of Greek mythology, which Mm. are a motif in Francis Bacon's work. And, you know, they're very chestburster-like. And so I thought, okay, you know, I, I, this is the kind of stuff for me as a documentary filmmaker, like, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this kind of stuff. So I'm like, I'm, I want to sort of dig down into, I want to go and, you know, go there and see what, what I find. And so essentially, one, once I started opening the doors to Alien as a mythological film or a film with mythological resonance, all the doors started opening. That's when I met Diane O'Bannon, the uh-huh. widow of Dan, who you know opened her archives for the, for the, for the first time, uh, the Giger estate and Carmen Giger, who also gave me full access to their archives. And so it is an origin story, but it is also a mythological take on Ridley Scott's Alien. Mm. I've seen that picture, and of course I've watched your documentary, mm-hmm. uh, and it does have that whole... Um, well, I, 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 that bloodied turkey sort of mm-hmm. uh, look to it, but with that that particular um, neck, stumpy neck with yeah. the, with the teeth, and it's got that whole it's, thing going. Yeah. It's intense. It's a really intense painting, and you can imagine it coming out in 1944 and people just going, "Wow, what is <laughs> what is this?" I mean, completely, truly alien, mm. uh, you know. It, 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 there's a lot of other ones that I, I can see as well, um, and Hieronymus Bosch and. Yeah. Um, uh, William Blake too. Um, yeah, particular things in in um, his canon. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that those are images and ideas that you know tap into imagery that we have seen before that resonates throughout mm. the centuries and throughout the millennia, and that mean 
um, you know, that's, that's really speak to our ancient past. Um, and so Dan, Dan Abanyan is also using, um, playing upon uh, things in his own life, um, yeah. his, his own health, his fear of insects. Yep. Uh, also the idea that he had earlier on for other, for, for a sort of proto-alien sort of stories. Plus, of course, all of those things that he would have seen, like Spielberg and Lucas did all those um, those uh, Hollywood films, uh, It the Terror from Beyond Space, which I've actually seen a long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before I saw Alien, and when I saw Alien, I thought, hang on, this is just It. So mm-hmm. It's a similar story of a, a bottle a bottle story of uh, astronauts marooned in a ship in space mm. with one monster chewing its way through the crew. And there's so many other... Um, uh, and you know, actually, I stopped in, when I was watching your documentary, having the luxury of watching it on a screener. I actually mm. could stop where you've got a list of uh, movies, yeah, uh, of, of, that, may, that Dan O'Banion might have seen. Yes, uh, I did not see in there, and maybe he wouldn't have seen it not being English. Um, there's a Doctor Who serial called The Ark in Space from 1975. Ooh, uh, check that one out if okay. you can. Um, it's uh, the Tom Baker, the fourth Doctor Who, because there's a space station where there are giant wasps that uh, invade a, a, a sleeping cryogenic storage facility with, um, uh, with astronauts in it, and they start injecting them with parasites. Oh, my God. 1975. That's only four years before Alien. But then, of course, we had Dark Star. Yeah. Uh, which also yeah. has proto-alien stuff in Completely. it. Completely. Yeah, it's an early version of Alien. But yeah, I mean, you know, It and, you know, Planet of the, of the Vampires oh, yes. and, and yeah. Queen of Blood. I mean, those those are pretty much the same story. What's so fascinating to me is that that story, as you, you said, uh, it lived in uh, the B realm for a long time, even in comic books, mm. you know. And uh, and it really took Dan O'Bannon and then a visionary artist like Giger and a visionary director like Ridley Scott to bring that story forward in the, you know, as, a, as an A picture for the very first time. Mm. Um, and, and especially at a time when audiences were not ready for for it, when audiences were more in the mood for Close Encounters or E.T. than The Thing, you know. Um, but yet it it struck a nerve. It really um, affected audiences in a very powerful way. And I think, and that's the argument of my film, in an unconscious way as well. Mm. I, I think that uh, at, at the time, as I was saying, I was sitting there almost by myself in the cinema, and, and it was so cold and... Jerry Goldsmith's score for Alien is a cold score as well, mm-hmm. and the atmospherics, the sound effects in the film, and and it's just so, it pulls you in like it's like a virtual reality thing. It was so scary. I was terrified. It is. Yeah, I mean, I actually watched it on VHS for the first time, mm-hmm. um, and it still terrified me. I, you know, my my first, you know, people of course always ask me what's the, my first memory of Alien, but my first memory is actually the poster. Yeah, uh, and the the because I had a, f- a friend uh, who had you know uh, the the one sheet the original one sheet and and uh, you know it's such a perfect image this egg mm-hmm. and and but the tagline in space no one can hear you scream it's it's um, at at once it makes you you know you, you as a horror fan you want to watch it but it's you also have this sense of absolute dread mm-hmm. uh, it completely encapsulates I think what this whole movie is about uh, it's wonderful I can remember the um, when the trailer came on the television in the seventies, and this was a very, like a very quick and cheap trailer, and yeah. it's got some of that, um, that the uh, the music from 
this film on it. But it's also they're actually using a chicken egg. Yes, <laughs> and that's and it cracks and a light comes out of it. Yeah, and it's just such a simple <laughs> gimmick. I know, works. I know. It's almost like a homemade, you know, fan <laughs> film. You know, it's the kind of stuff that 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 you know that we would see on YouTube now. But it's great. I am um, sorry. I actually on. saw one of my favorite movies as a kid. <laughs> Not that appropriate for children. Uh, was Spaceballs. So <laughs> I actually saw that scene for the first time in Spaceballs. And I did not know what it was from oh, the chess <laughs> until I was older. Yeah, because they they spoof on that as part of Spaceballs. Yeah, it doesn't the the, the chess burster it doesn't it John... does the dance. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. Dance. <laughs> and yeah, it, it has, has like a little a, cane and a little yeah, hat, and, and it, it runs uh, down the like the top of the bar. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I didn't know what that was from for a really long time. I don't think I knew what a lot of those th- scenes were spoofing, to be honest. And then, yeah, obviously, but it was still funny to you, right? Oh, it yeah, was still, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, it was a disgusting grotesque thing doing a jaunty dance yeah um and then yeah obviously i figured out once i got a bit older and started realizing where all these things were coming from so yeah yeah but that's the thing isn't it we are 40 years on now from from the release of alien and all those sequels and spin-offs and copies too Mm. uh, Mm -hmm. in the uh, in the early 80s there were so many straight to dvd copies of alien Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's really hard for me to go back and recapture that that feeling that un, that that really special feeling that Alien was unique. Yeah. Well, you can't. I mean, that's and that's I think that's one of those cinematic moments that you know you see every once in a while. I mean, it's mm. we saw it with Psycho. Um, you know, we saw it with The Exorcist. We saw it with I would argue Blair Witch Project. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd play that. Yeah, you know, I mean that that you know, and especially that feeling of of um, I mean, I, re- I will always always remember watching Blair Witch in a theater in New York City. There was about two thousand seats. And it was packed, and at the 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 final shot, which I'm not going to spoil for people who haven't seen it, but the final shot, there was this collective sigh of dread in <laughs> in the theater, which you know, like it's so rare. Yeah. To get this collective reaction from an audience, uh, and I don't think I've experienced that since. We're talking almost 20 years. I mean, actually, in fact, exactly 20 years now. It's been 20 years since Blair Witch came out. So um, those are rare moments to to cherish, quite frankly. And mm. I'm sure we'll have more, but they don't come around uh, no. very often. And, mm. it, and nowadays, it's usually in a superhero movie. <laughs> yeah, and we also need to keep people going to the cinema as well i think that's one of the things is keeping people experiencing those moments together rather than i I mean i love your streaming service output as much as anyone but it is a different experience if you have those emotions and see those things for the first time by yourself versus as part of a group alexandra have you actually seen um alien on a big screen i have yeah yeah is it it the great the graininess and the realistic Oh, <laughs> it's 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 grand. I mean, it's uh, yeah, and I think you know. I don't know if you guys here have some. You know, have they re-released it in theaters here now for the fortieth anniversary? They or? did do a bunch of screenings. I'm pretty sure they even had some. Yeah. In f- um, well, in fact, I think our distributor, um, our, our, you know, because my film is going to be coming out in uh, limited theatrical release in yes. September. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they may be planning to do some uh-huh. double bills. I'm not, 
you know, not 100%, but I, we were talking about that. That's so good. that would be awesome. Yeah. If, uh, you I know. do think it's a pretty popular one because they know yeah. how great it is to see on a big screen. Yeah. I think it's always very, very popular. So, yeah. yeah. And I've, you know, I've, I've had a lot of bills, obviously, you know, it's double bills. I've been, you know, traveling now with my film since Sundance or January around the world. And, um, you know, a lot of festivals play my film with Alien. And it's so great to see Alien is always, always packed mm. and there's a lot of you know young people who go see it oftentimes many people who've never watched it before mm. uh, and that's super exciting to me and they just mm. love it they love it have we spoiled the film now? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's right I had thought they did the Aster did a special 40th anniversary 70 mil screening uh, um, uh, on yeah on the release date so because as we've cool. been talking it's it's mm. it's um, jog some things loose in my memory and I recall that uh, Ridley Scott actually was going to work on Doctor Who as a, a production designer but wow. that, that fell through so I don't know maybe he Very still watched Doctor Who I don't know because he was British everybody in Britain watches Doctor Who sure <laughs> sure well it's interesting though because you know as, as Ivor Powell says in my in my film you know uh, who's you know one of one of the producers on Alien and a very close friend of Ridley's you know Ridley was not interested in sci-fi mm. you know he would not read the sci-fi scripts and it was Ivor who was reading those scripts and for some reason when Alien came on his desk he was like you know what I'm, I'm going to read this one and you know and coming from a guy who wasn't a sci-fi guy to do Alien and Blade Runner back to back I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I give up. <laughs> you know, it's so amazing. It, two of the iconic films of the yeah. genre, really. Oh, it's the for me. It's two of the. Well, I, I would even say I would even say Blade Runner. I think is an even greater film. Uh, Blade Runner is one of those films that, as uh, you know, in my in my. Uh, you know, early, you know, in my teens, I would watch it. This appears I would watch it like every day. And the, the tears in the rain scene, man, I cannot, I cannot watch that scene without tearing up. Uh, vale Rickerhauer. I know, I know. Very sad. Very sad. I, I can um, recall that that particular time with the Blade Runner films again, like just like that that <laughs> Nexus in the nineteen uh, seventies with the films we've mentioned. But in the early 80s, you had Blade Runner, uh, yeah. Wrath of Khan, which is a very good yeah, Star Trek Yeah, it is. Mad yeah. Max. And, you yeah. know, there's just... And Aliens as well, the yeah. sequel. So you've got yeah. this... And another chunk. And E.T. It's so interesting. And the thing. And the so thing. many of these have at least a reboot or some kind of sequel or something <laughs> happening now, like even the Blade Runner one. Um, for those interested in seeing Alien on the big screen, IMAX is actually doing um, a rewind session in September. So it'll be on the 1st. Mm-hmm. And on the 17th. So they're doing a double feature of Alien and Aliens, mm-hmm. and it's the new 4K um, oh, man. Oh, master. Wow. So if anyone's interested in checking that out, just have a look on the IMAX Ooh, website. I might have to fly back to Australia just for that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, talking to Alexandre O'Philippe, the Swiss director, US-based, who is uh, here presenting his new memory the origins of alien it's a documentary it's playing at the melbourne international film festival uh, on tuesday at 9 p.m yes tomorrow at, at the very atmospheric forum which has got lots of nooks and crannies for xenomorph eggs to be secreted in. <laughs> and to, like, come down from the very top back row as well. Yeah, you know? and in fact, as you walk out or in, you'll be able to look up at the, um, the starscape on, the, on the, uh, the ceiling in the foyer exactly. and wonder what's lurking up there. This is, this is, there are some places in space you just shouldn't go alone. <laughs> that's the thing about, um, uh, one of the things about Alien, it's all brightly lit 
in the main sequences mm. we're talking about in the chest burster scene in mm. the Nostromo spaceship. It's in their um, their uh, their crew lounge where they, they eat. So it's not one of these. It's not done in the dark or, or away from anyone. There are plenty right. of dark and uh, sequences in that film. Oh know? yeah, sure. Once the lights go out, they stay out. Mm. But yeah. this this moment is there in in the cold, harsh clinical light. Yeah, very scary to do that too. It's well, yeah, and it's really bold. I mean, it it uh, to me that's one of the connecting points. In fact, to the psycho shower scene, you know, mm. which is also in this mm. very brightly lit uh, bathroom and those are I mean I think there's a lot of they're very different scenes as I said earlier but I think they're also very similar in that sense because they they uh, had such an impact on audiences and they're both you know horror in a safe space Mm. um, and in a brightly lit space as well let's have a word now from HR Giga and this is uh, track one uh, from and, and this, I actually have no idea really what, about this one, but it just sounds really cool. He's just talking about something, and it's from um, uh, Gimma Mega Schwitzer. I will not so genau wissen, auch when I wegen Krankheit oder ich will nicht wissen, was ist, wenn etwas ist sowieso. Das kann der Lebensmut nicht total. I have no idea. Well, he's speaking in uh, Swiss German. That's yes. why. Uh, yeah. Ah. And you can tell me? I know. Well, I, I, I'm Swiss, but I'm Swiss French, so I can't uh, help you there. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, it's worth But that's his voice, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and of course, one of the things about... Uh, a Banyan thing. He's making the alien story up from a number of different sources, including his own mind. Yeah. And then he gets um, Giga, who is a person who d- does use a lot of found objects himself from in his uh, sculpture and his artwork and, and so on. It actually seems like a perfect synergy there. And, and they came together on originally before this on another science fiction project, um, Jodorowsky's uh, infamously um, mm-hmm. aborted Dune. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually sort of really remarkable, this idea that the story that, that you know, Dune had to collapse in order for Alien to really <laughs> exist, yeah. you know, and that's where they met and that's where they connected and they connected very much on, on the sort of Lovecraftian level. Mm. I mean, they were, you know, they had very similar interests. Uh, they were both working on on their own uh, Necronomicon. Of, of course, Giger's was was a visual Necronomicon, and if you look at the painting Necronom 4, it, that's the Xenomorph. The Xenomorph existed long before yeah. Alien was, was even a thing. Um, so it's it's remarkable, and then then actually wrote a, a Necronomicon as well that uh, Diane is trying to to get published. Oh, and of course there was. I'm thinking of the uh, Baron Harkonnen's castle design um, that Giga did for um, yep. Dune. Yeah, and that's that's very much alien, you know, human skull yeah. transformed into a long totally. Uh, what we call it uh, cetacean like dolphinoid form behind it. Yeah, the elongated head which yeah. is um, you know rooted also in Egyptian mythology, you know. That's mm-hmm. that that kind of imagery and and you know and again not to get into too much detail because that's in my film and people have to come watch it that's but right. mm-hmm. but but Giger was um, uh, as a since he was a kid, he was really obsessed with Egyptian mythology. There was this museum in Cor, Switzerland, where he was born and raised uh, that had a, a mummy that you know he would go because it just terrified him. Mm. Uh, and uh, but you know you see you see a lot of 
uh, imagery from uh, Egyptian mythology into his into his paintings. Yeah, I was watching a, an Egypt, Egyptian film last night actually, and and because I was in close proximity to your documentary and those facts <laughs> it's sort of flipping over in my head and it was an asterisk film of all things so thinking, oh really oh, no, what's going on here no no there's no <laughs> there is no connection between asterisks and obelix and, and alien apart from the fact that they actually <laughs> they actually did fight space aliens once in one of the books did they, they I, did. I didn't yeah, remember that one it's okay. uh, asterisks in the falling sky Oh my god! Believe it or not. Well, uh, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, let's, let's not go there. Anyway. Um, <laughs> let's let's have a track here from Jerry Goldsmith's absolutely evocative soundtrack from Alien, and it's uh, Face Hugger. This is George Romero, and I wouldn't be caught dead listening to Zero G on Three Triple R FM. There we go. Yes, you are listening to Zero G on Triple R, and we are currently talking to the writer and director of Memory, The Origin of Alien, which is playing at the Melbourne International Film Festival. There is another session tomorrow evening at 9pm at the Forum if you would like to head along to that. Where was the, the session um, on the weekend that they had on Sunday, I think? Uh, obviously, you would have. Attended it was yesterday. That. Yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah. Great question. I'm going to take a look. <laughs> you can find <laughs> and it. And I was so jet lagged. I was so jet lagged. It was great. Yeah, they hadn't they hadn't decanted you from hypersleep. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday's session was at the Palace Kino, ah. um, and so yes, the next session is Forum 9 p.m. tomorrow. So there's still tickets for that left if you want to jump on the MIF website or their app. Um, and yes, we are talking to Alexander O'Philippe about his uh, documentary. Yes, Memory, The Origins of Alien. Because it's about a film that's well known. Yeah. Um, I'm trying not to spoil your documentary <laughs> about it too much. But yeah. there was one thing that I've never seen before and never noticed myself. Mm. During the chestburster scene, I know that uh, Jones the cat reacts to um, the chestburster, but I didn't know that Jones was also eating his tea. Yes. During that scene, yeah, having I, lunch in the background. Yeah, yeah. I never know, knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Ridley totally faked me out with that. I'm, <laughs> I'm watching, I'm watching um, bobbing birds and yeah. and blood and guts, but I never knew the cat was sitting there having. Well, tea. the whole yeah, the whole <laughs> that's the thing that's so remarkable too is the whole text and the whole subtext of that scene is about eating. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, it's it's all he, you know, he just hands it to you on a silver platter it's it's all there there's no there's no trick and i think that's also part of the reason why i think that scene is so terrifying is that you feel like uh, it is really really happening well this is part partly that's because um they made a they built a contingentous set so that you could actually go from one place to another in the set without breaking the fourth wall yeah and they made the the um the cast live in it for a while Mm -hmm. um so and then they did this horrible thing to them for the chestbuster scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they knew, of course, what, you know, I mean, they had read the script. They knew that something like this was coming. And, in fact, Veronica Cartwright and Sigourney Weaver had seen the, the puppet, mm-hmm. you know. But they certainly had not seen it um, with the blood and, and guts. And they had not experienced it in that particular way. And, you know, there's so many things that went wrong in <laughs> that, that, in fact, made it even greater. Um, yeah, what a what a scene, what a moment, and 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 quite frankly, so bold. Because if you really think about it, and I think that's the most remarkable thing about the chestburster is that is that it's a puppet on a stick. Yes, <laughs> it's, I mean, it could have 
completely failed. Mm. You, you, if you fail the chestburster, the whole movie falls apart. Mm. It doesn't work. You know, so uh, so everything hinged on that moment, and um, and you know they pulled it off. The the only part that doesn't work for me in hindsight, having done prosthetics and actually mm. actually done a kind of a chestburster scene in a short film. Really, um, I want to see that. The, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, the, not, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's just not. Uh, Ridley Scott sort of thing. But, um, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, but the, it's not uh, Ridley Scott. Yeah, no. uh, but the. The thing about the thing that doesn't hold up for me is when mm-hmm. you actually see the alien pause and then run away, and you can tell it's clearly on a track. Uh, you know, that's the only thing now that in hindsight doesn't work, and that's mm. pretty good for forty years when you think yeah, about it. Yeah. It's not. It's not like um, you can see the strings or uh, you know, or it's an Ed Wood sort of feeling now. It's still pretty damn scary. Oh yeah, I mean, and and down to the little sort of lungs, you know, that yeah, you yeah, see the pulse. The, yeah, yeah it, it's you know the blood dripping down its you know its little face, <laughs> uh, and, and the stench on the set after the, the oh, paint on it. Well, that's what that's you know it sounds like you know again talking to Veronica Cartwright, it sounds like that was the thing that was really unbearable because all of those you know uh, you know cow entrails were cooking under the lights. Oof. And uh, ugh, yeah. yeah. And then they threw her into. Um, uh, she was in the body invasion of the body snatchers movie, wasn't she? Yeah. yeah. So she just sort of that's went right. Strength to strength. Hadn't had enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, she's so great. The, the looks on the fa- on the actors and actresses' mm-hmm. faces when when it happens, you know, yeah. there's no. F- I know acting is, is a fine profession, but there's no faking. It's, it's there's no, no, and yeah. that's the thing is, you know, it's it's so interesting because you know you think about today's cinema, and that, but you know, that, that, uh, there might be part of the problem. You know, everything's done now in green screen and CGI or whatever, and there is no substitute for mm. responding viscerally to something like this happening right in front of you. Mm. Um, You know, to pull that kind of performance, you sort of need it to happen, you know? To smell the entrails. (laughs) And and that too, you know, you need to be in that situation, I think. To have the blood cannons explode in your face. Oh my God. It's not the same when you're talking to a tennis ball. No. (laughs) Unless it's, well, maybe talking to a beach ball in Dark Star because that's that kind of monstery type. I know, I know. So great, (laughs) so great. All right, so um, I've got uh, a track that I bought in back in the day when um, Deborah Harry was striking out on her own, uh, her first solo album, Cuckoo. Um, H.R. Giga did the album cover for that, which was banned from the underground railway because it was too scary. <laughs> but he also directed one of the music videos, at least one of them. Um, so we will go with um, track um, number six, which is Backfired from Deborah Harry Cuckoo's album Cuckoo. And I think Backfired is one of the ones that he actually directed. And she's prancing around in the music video. You might be able to find that online. Mm-hmm. Um, dressed in a, a Geiger-esque um, bodysuit that, that, that he's done the artwork for. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. very, very cool. Maybe it's not the best of Deborah Harry's songs, but, you know, think upon it. Hello, I'm Ray Harryhausen, animation pioneer. You're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R. FM. Yeah, you were. But, uh, oh, <laughs> you're welcome aboard Zero G. And if you're listening, we are talking about uh, the memory, the origins of Alien. Uh, anyway, yes, and uh, we've been talking to the director and writer. 
mm-hmm. of this documentary, which is about the chestburster scene in <laughs> Alien, which is on its 40th anniversary. So we just played a track there before, which was um, Deborah Harry's al- Cuckoo album, Backfired, which has got H.R. Giger-esque implications. We, we were talking before, uh, Alexandra, when we had the um, George Romero cart we played earlier on, you said you knew George. Yeah, yeah, and, um, you know, obviously he's, he's in my film Doc of the Dead, and uh, mm-hmm. I actually organised a... Um, a zombie town hall meeting in Denver with him, Max Brooks, and Stephen Schlossman, who uh, did the, who wrote the zombie autopsies, and um, it was amazing. We actually filmed filmed the whole thing with multiple cameras, and uh, uh, yeah, it was it was amazing to hear his voice. Uh, you know, just just a moment ago here, um, what a what a lovely man he was. He was great. Yeah, Max Brooks, the Max zombie Brooks. survival guide. World yeah, War Z? and World War Z. Mm. Yeah. Very ill-served, I thought he was, by the, the film World War Z. It doesn't I didn't have, hate it. I thought it was all right. I didn't hate it, but it, I don't think it has anywhere near the cachet of the actual book. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think he'll agree with you on that. Mm. I think, you know, he's... Uh, I think he's happy that the film exists, but he also distances himself from it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. 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 I, I wouldn't take it as a, an, an actual guide to surviving a zombie <laughs> apocalypse. Although they do run in that, so there's a big, big difference. It's, I know, exactly. Well, this is interesting. There's a cross-genre thing going on there because, of course, um, uh, one of the um, progenitors of uh, Night of the Living Dead is Richard Matheson's um, uh, story, uh, I Am Legend. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Which oh, is a yeah. vampire story, yeah. but it was one of the templates for Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And sometimes you actually... I feel sometimes like that, that Alien has that same kind of... Um, um, cross-genre appeal that pops up in places where you wouldn't necessarily expect it to, like when they plugged into the Predator franchise, mm. Mm. Which, which was so really a, such a, an easy idea when you think about it, but yeah. someone had to think of it. Yeah. You know. But. Yeah, I, I would put my money on the Xenomorph over Predator any any day oh. of the week, personally. I agree. You know, I think it's such a it's such a... Just a more spectacular creature <laughs> on so many. Shade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, you know. Well, I think under the, uh, it would depend upon the circumstances. The thing about the xenomorphs is they seldom travel in alone. Yeah, you know. So if you've got a whole horde of those, it doesn't matter how how samurai warrior eth- what ethos you've got or, or, or what carters you've done. True. You know how good your sword work is. If you're up against fifty of those things, they're just going to swarm you. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So yes, I agree. Under many circumstances, <laughs> the animals would win, and then they, then they then they. Implant. Then there'd be eggs and 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 xenomorph predator hybrids and well and you know now that Fox belongs to Disney we're probably going to see I don't know Alien versus the Sith mm. that'd be kind of cool <laughs> actually I'd, well, be, I'd be down for that you know when Dark Horse has probably done that almost certainly they've got uh, oh, cool. aliens versus predator versus terminator mm-hmm. uh, aliens versus predator versus tarzan they've thrown in judge dread and batman and superman which was really gross because <laughs> <laughs> superman got impregnated with one of the eggs when he was on a planet with uh red sun so he didn't have his full powers but he managed to get back out into space and get his powers back again before the chest burster had hatched so he threw it up so it was gross, but <laughs> if, if you can imagine a more grosser thing than a chest burster, yeah. this is a vomited up chest burster. Wow! <laughs> so, wow! <laughs> well, we've thoroughly disgusted our audience at lunchtime. 
Yes. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, I, I highly recommend this documentary. Um, I've been an Alien fan since 1979, and there was stuff in this doco that I did not know. Great. So you have managed to wow Zero G, which is always so difficult to do. <laughs> Good. It's I've a very, done my job. You have. It's a, it, it's a very um, accessible film. Um, obviously, it would help if you had seen Alien before this, mm-hmm. but if you know that iconic scene anyway, then yeah. this may be a gateway. But see Alien, though. <laughs> yeah, yes. you'd be surprised, you actually. There's always people in the audience who have never watched Alien, and I, and I think it's kind of cool because mm. they obviously they've, you know, they're curious about it. They want to know what it's about, and uh, and in fact, it could be an entry point for you know for Alien as well. And, and you apologise for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm going to destroy your sleep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things I noted in this, um, there's a there's a, a little bit about um, the Lovecraftian connection. We actually had your Lovecraft expert on the show about three weeks oh. ago. Yeah, oh, S.T. Joshi? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there's a synergy going on here. What was he doing here? Just um, He had a, a series of talks that he was doing for yeah. part of the Lovecraft convention. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I advised him that when he goes to New Zealand, he should then try and find uh, Raulu because it's, you know, not far from New Zealand, technically speaking. So, yeah. You know, maybe you could go there too. Yeah, he's great. He's a great guy. Actually, that you just gave me the thought to reconnect with him and because and, yeah. I don't think he's seen the film. I need to send him, uh, oh, yeah, send him the film, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because he's in it. He's in it, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We are talking about Memory, The Origins of Alien, which is playing at the MIF tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. At the Forum? At the Forum. I think it would be great. Be so thank you very much, Alexandra, for coming in. My pleasure. Thank you. And thank you also to Tiki and Charlie from MIF for helping us organise all of this and to Elizabeth McCarthy from Triple R. Now, I think we've, we've played the, uh, the, the, the cuckoo track... Four, and I think this is probably the moment where we play our David Bowie track for the week, which is, of course, Loving the Alien, never more excellently in context than here. Hi, I'm George Takei, and I play Admiral Sulu in Star Trek. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G. Admiral? Hey, a guy can dream, can't he? <laughs> Dreaming away here on Zero G and Hypersleep. Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And we just played Mr. Bowie there doing his thing there. Mm-hmm. I always hate it when I have to cut Mr. Bowie off, but we had I to know. do it. We, we did. We had to because we had such a great interview before that with Alexander Ophelip, mm-hmm. um, whose film Memory, The Origins of Alien, is showing at the MIF tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Mm. Now, I've, I've seen one or two other things from MIF. We talked about them last week. Um, we're running out of time today, so we won't be doing too much more. Anything else, actually, on that <laughs> today? No. Uh, um, but apart from the fact that if you want to check out Zero G's, uh, um, we call it the, uh, the select giblets from <laughs> this year's MIF, we do have a, a list running up on the um, Zero G Facebook page, which you can access through the Triple R website or... Otherwise. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, and I trotted along to a couple of things on the weekend, um, which I'll just run through. So I did see, I went to the opening night and they played The Australian Dream, which is the Adam Goods documentary, which I found to be very powerful and um, a very good watch. And I recommend that to anybody. It's a very important story. Um, so definitely please head along to that if you have the chance. I will just quickly look up the times for that. It should well, be I, on the school cl- curriculum, that one, I reckon. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's it's an absolutely um, 
the atmosphere there was fantastic. Adam Goods was there himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it was, you could tell people were really paying attention to it. And I think that that, I don't know, I just think it was very important. Uh, there are still some more screenings. Oh, no, there's no more screenings of that, unfortunately. I'm sure that one um, But you'll be general. able to get that on release. Um, yeah. So keep an eye out for that. That's directed by Daniel Gordon. And Stan, written by Stan Grant. Um, I did also go along and catch the premiere. It was a one session only of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, the new Quentin Tarantino film, the ninth film of Quentin Tarantino, as he loves to say. Um, that was a one-time-only event, but obviously that is coming out in a couple of weeks, so we'll talk about that on Zero G. So I'm not going to go into that now for various reasons, including that um, they encourage you not to talk too much about it so you don't spoil it for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be keen to talk about that when... Um, it's released and you get along to see it, Rob. Mm. I think we'll have a, a good <laughs> chat. I, you know, there's previews that I want, I could go and see it at before, but I'm not going to be able to do it because of logistics. It's yeah, just going yeah. in the way. Um, so I'll probably see it with a general audience too. And we'll, so, yeah, I will say the atmosphere there was also really good. That's what I like about film festivals is that, I don't know, it's just film lovers and everybody's there to see and enjoy a movie with each other and people often clap at the end. And I don't know, I just love it. I just think it's, you know. How very dare they. Very nostalgic. No, I, I love it, you know. It's yeah. really involved. I did also get along and see another movie called The Whistlers. Um, it's kind of an odd little thing. It was directed by Cornelou Porum. I've butchered that completely. I'm so sorry. It's a combined Romanian um, film along with Germany and France. That was a very interesting little kind of good cop, bad cop, crime caper. Um, And, yeah, it was an odd little one, but I definitely think if you have a look at the synopsis and see if it interests you, there's another session of that on Wednesday the 7th and Thursday the 15th. So, Mm. yeah, I don't know. It took a while for me to understand what was going on plot-wise, but... Yeah, it was it was kind of a cool little movie. That's what film festivals are for, to challenge you. Exactly. And I love going along to things that I don't know heaps about that just seem like a little bit interesting. And yeah. you discover so much that way. So anyway, that's my big film lovers rant for the day. <laughs> um, that's probably about enough for for day hmm. for today on Zero G. We're gonna go out with a, a, a Jeff Goldblum track since they're having a Jeff Goldblum mini festival at the MIF. Uh, this is Jeff Goldblum and the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra. Oh, he's such a lovely voice too. Me and my shadow with Sarah Silverman and Till Bronner <laughs> from the Capital Studios session. So, uh, coming up next is Astral Jam- Grammar. Astral Grammar. 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 <laughs> the oh, new so. literary show. Yeah, yeah. Astral <laughs> Glamour with Joe Brunetic. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Rob. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.